Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, welcome to Nothing Impossible. Here are your hosts, Michael Calhoun and Travis Sheridan on News Radio 1120 KMOX. Welcome into uh, the show about innovation, entrepreneurship, and all things cool in St. Louis. Travis Sheridan with Michael Calhoun. And we are going to talk about one of those cool things that's happening here in St. Louis. We know that we're a hub for agriculture, technology, for financial services, and uh, sports, of course. And uh, we're kind of becoming a little bit of a nexus for geospatial technology as well. Some think mapping, I think spies, but yeah, it's all home here in St. Louis. A spy agency that's breaking ground in St. Louis, actually. So we're going to take you inside of the At 4240 building here in Cortex. It's where we're on location and it's where the GOU conference is going on. And also there are some drones out here. We're going to take a look at those. And Bayer and Monsanto. Right, and you know, when I think about that, I also think about the fact that this last week we had the uh, Ag Innovation Showcase happening here in St. Louis. And so, you know, when we have the startup community doing things in ag and then we have our large anchors like Monsanto and now bought out by Bayer, it really is that whole food, like the whole food chain of agriculture uh, happening right here. Yeah, so coming up we're going to talk with Adrian Percy, who is the head of research and development R&D at Bayer Crop Science. He's going to talk about, you know, the, the challenges in the agriculture industry, sure, the acquisition of uh, Monsanto by Bayer, sure, uh, but also the tech talent that they see in St. Louis and maybe even the chance of some nonstop flights from Germany to St. Louis. Is that something Bayer might be interested in? We'll find out. That would be good. So stick around. We'll talk about all those things next on Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on News Radio. 1120 KMOX. All right, welcome back. Nothing Impossible. Coming to you from the CIC at 4240 space in Cortex, Michael. And Travis, and we are here because GOU, Y-O-U, is going on. And uh, we have uh, David Gwynn, who is the... uh it is the Innovation Architect. Is that the right title? Innovation Architect for Harris Construction or Harris Corporation and one of the guys that's helping put this together. So, David, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. So, tell us about the conference. What is GOU? What is everybody talking about here? So, uh, this conference is meant to bring together multiple people from different three different communities. The first is the traditional geospatial community. The second is the innovation community, particularly small, high-tech startups. And the third is... Uh, the best case examples from across industry that are leveraging geospatial big data with other types of big data sets. So we're trying to get everyone in the same room, particularly people who typically don't go to conferences together and meet in one spot, to cross-pollinate innovative ideas. And what have you seen so far? What have you been most impressed with? Uh, You know, it's uh, everyone. Um, The the point here was to, to have communication and to foster a dialogue to start the discussion so that we can pretty much turn St. Louis into a hub, hopefully the, the hub, for geospatial in the United States. So uh, great capabilities here, but we've got folks from around the country. And, uh, and again, the point is to bring together technology with, uh, with entrepreneurs, with mature businesses to talk about those future opportunities. 
for somebody who's going geospatial, I've heard that word before, but I'm not really sure what it means. Um, maybe they think of mapping, for instance. Uh, how do you describe what, what this is all about to somebody who's uh, just learning about it? Absolutely. Uh, so mapping. So mapping is, is a mature capability, but you know it's now ubiquitous across society. So in order to get here uh, this morning, you probably used maps that were derived from satellites that also used information from uh, from Wi-Fi information as you're driving down the street. And that takes a lot of people and effort to actually create and make sure all that's up and running on a regular basis. And a lot of people that contribute here, that's their expertise. So we're looking to go to GeoInt 2.0 or Geospatial Analysis 2.0 by making it more available and talking with commercial entities to expand out the uh, the usership and the markets that can utilize this data, which is about to hit us like a tsunami. So we're, we're having more data at a higher frequency that's going to be coming in the future, and it's an exciting time to, to be alive and be taken advantage of that. But there's a lot of technologies that have to come into place in order to automate the extraction of useful information and knowledge creation from those large data sets. So it's sort of, we got a series of haystacks and we want to pull the needle out of every haystack. <laughs> it seems like there's so much data, first off, that we wouldn't have been able to measure just a few years ago, and so much data that we didn't even know we'd want to measure necessarily, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and what is it going to be used for? The answer is yes. <laughs> so there's lots of things yet to be created, and, and that's one of the reasons we're having it here at the Cortex Innovation Community, because we want to foster those relationships now, because we're really on the cusp of, of taking off in utilizing and taking advantage of that big geospatial data that's, that's about to hit, hit us. And if you think about the genesis of this, you know, the first commercial satellites came out in 1995. So we're sort of young and it's we're on an uphill swing that's that's really going to affect human humans for multiple generations and we're just starting well speaking of the next generation of humans i saw that uh, washington university has a presence here at the event and rala or missouri s t has a presence as well do you see a lot of young people getting interested in moving into this field uh, absolutely yeah this it's sort of a wild west in many regards because there's so many things that can be conquered there's so many things that can uh, come out of this, so it's uh, it's attracting in a lot of folks. We got Silicon Valley folks uh, that are actively involved in this and moving to St. Louis because of opportunities like Cortex and T Rex and and other innovation communities that St. Louis is really deliberately invested in. So you got that that great draw and that talent pool here, and they're very hungry to expand that capability into geospatial analysis, so, so mapping and, and other things, whether it's outside mapping or interior mapping. So, for instance, uh, mapping an interior space for, for commerce. Mm -hmm. you know, it's, we've got an unlimited prospect for, for creating new business opportunities. I think we might know a company that's mapping indoor spaces, right? <laughs> IL-411, had them on the show a couple of times. Uh, so you mentioned some of the spaces like Cortex and T-Rex and the districts that are here, but I would imagine that $1.7, $1.8 billion worth of investment going in on the north side probably prompts a lot of this to be the hub for uh, geospatial as well, right? The NGA's growth and presence here. 
Absolutely, without a doubt. Um, so NGA, you know, is a large government agency that, that then acts as sort of an anchor store for St. Louis. And them being here then attracts in a lot of large companies that service the geospatial space. And what we want to do is, is make sure that we expand upon that. So we want to solidify and bring in small companies and other innovators to append to that and to grow and to start to create and you know consciously put forth that St. Louis is that geospatial hub. And I really do want it to be the geospatial hub, and I think that's very reasonable considering the the benefits to the area. So you've got that innovator community, so it's it's a draw. You've got the lower cost of living mm-hmm. as opposed to Silicon Valley or DC. Um, and and you've got your core clients here, mm-hmm. so it's it's very exciting time to be here, and I think it's a great opportunity for St. Louis. And as we look at NGA gearing up to get going on the north side, people might know it as the spy agency, this agency that helped to you know track down Osama bin Laden. Um, but what are some things that people are excited about that may come out of having NGA here, the breadth of what they do beyond just that kind of work? Absolutely. Uh, you know, some of the presentations we had were were from the geodesists, for instance, and they're the ones that keep the satellites uh, and make sure that the data's right. So that's foundational things that may, might have been developed by the military or the government that now are integral to everyday life, commercial life, civilian life, and a lot of times we don't even realize that. So there's, there's a lot of value add that we're getting from the activities that are continuing to go on on a regular basis at NGA, uh, in, in town. When we, uh, when we look at GOU growing, is this, is this the first year this has happened, correct? So what is, what's, what's success look like? Is this something that uh, grows and becomes even bigger uh, years two, three, and four? Uh, I would like to see that, absolutely. Uh, this, this was a very exciting event and you know, purposely put together to bring together those, uh, those different groups to have the discussion and I absolutely want to see that persisting and all indications from attendees are that they were were very very pleased with the discussions and what they got out of it so we've we've had presentations by a number of fantastic experts we've had brainstorming sessions where we've had uh, panel leads discuss some of those uh, key technologies like machine learning like cloud and come up with some challenge questions so we can go to the next step of uh, posing those to the community and saying, hey, uh, here's, here's some of the things that we want to move forward and, and address, and here's how we want to evolve. So we see this as a continuing process, uh, and we absolutely hope to move this to uh, an annual event. And if, so if there's somebody out there that just wants to get into geospatial, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there are. Everybody's realizing there are great jobs there. Uh, they look at all the apps on their phone and realize that everything, every single app asks for your location information, right? So it doesn't matter if you're playing Pokemon or trying to drive to the, nec- the next to Ted Drews. They want, how do people get involved in this space? Is there, is there a chapter, an organization, some sort of professional group that people can join? Absolutely. So the... the group hosting this is the ASPRS Heartland region, and I'm the president of that. ASPRS is the American Society for Photogrammetry and Remote Sensing, and that's one group folks can get involved with. So we've got folks from industry, government, uh, etc. That's a great networking spot. There are other, group, there are other groups around town, uh, 
USGIF just set set up a local group. Uh, the AFCA group is is around. So so there are opportunities out there. Everybody's in this frenzy over Amazon and the potential of 50,000 jobs. And one of the questions is, you know, tech talent and all these NGA and everybody else moving in. What do you think is the tech talent situation in St. Louis? And uh, could we take, you know, a 50,000 50, person uh, demand from a new company moving in? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I've been pleasantly surprised. I've only been in St. Louis for five years. I'm pleasantly surprised with all of the right components being here, namely that uh, you have the Anchor Store, which is NGA. You have large geospatial companies here, but then you have that key last leg of the stool, and that is the investment and the innovator community, which acts as the pull for bringing in that high-tech talent and retaining it. So you don't want to just bring it in and have it go away. You want it to stay here. And, and again, the investment that's been made in St. Louis in that regard is phenomenal. So I think all of the pieces are, in, are here to, to make this a long-term uh, success. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining us, David. I uh, hope the event continues to be a success. And I will tell you, I never knew much about mapping. Uh, I mean, I always bought my Rand McNally every year at Costco uh, when I renewed my membership, but I never knew much, as much about mapping as I have now that I know that NGA is growing in St. Louis. And so I think this really does open up other career fields uh, for the young people in our region that are looking to go into tech, but it's not just about making apps on your phone. Sometimes it's about national security. Other times it's about everything in between. It's about shopping in some cases, right? It's about shopping. <laughs> You're right. Every app does ask for your location for one reason or another. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll be back with more Nothing Impossible after this. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on News Radio 1120, KMOX. And so we're out here uh, outside in the Cortex Commons area with a bunch of uh, drones hang uh, out here. And these aren't the drones that I see kids flying in my, in my neighborhood. So, Harrison, what is Aerial Insights, and what's with all these drones? Well, Aerial Insights is a premier service provider of large-scale data acquisition using drones, as well as training and enterprise resources. So these drones that we're standing in front today of what we use to survey you know, 10,000 acres of corn on one flight, or we can survey 100 miles of utility lines in one flight. These aren't the type of drones that you buy at Best Buy. These are industrial, very long flight time, heavy payload drones that carry advanced sensors for making three-dimensional models and inspecting uh, just thousands and thousands of assets in one flight. What's the hottest demand for these kinds of drones right now? Uh, you mentioned utility crews. Is that kind of a hot, hot industry right now? Absolutely. So the utilities is the hottest and largest user of drones right now. And what they're doing is equipping all their linemen with drones so when they respond to a, an emergency, a damage, um, maybe a storm event, they can pop up a drone really quick and look both ways down the lines and that way they can basically verify the extent of the damage and quickly address it. Uh, conventionally they'd have to walk you know, miles through the woods to see what's going on but now they have the ability to go up in the air, look and see what's going on and that falls into the category of just asset in damage inspection but we provide larger drones for doing vegetation management programs. So flying flying a drone system that carries a payload of a LiDAR unit, which is a laser ranging detection, so it makes these three-dimensional models. And you can actually see the vegetation encroaching on your lines. You can then schedule your workers to go out and clean up that vegetation. 
And so uh, you mentioned some, uh, storms. I would imagine, given the aftermath of what's happened in Houston, what's happened down in the Caribbean and Florida, uh, deploying drones to assess the damage is probably one of the most efficient and safest ways to, to, uh, to get out there, right? There are hundreds of drones deployed right now in the damaged areas, and they're assessing both the damage from flood as well as housing damage and the utility systems. Uh, right now it's still in the infancy, kind mm -hmm. of say the first trial period of using drones in the damaged area, but next storm season we're already getting engagement from FEMA and they want to deploy large drone aircraft to survey huge swaths of area hmm. in order to get real-time response and guide their emergency troops and crews where to go. So tell me about flying one of these things, especially compared to, you know, I've done one of those Best Buy kind of drones like once or <laughs> twice, but what is one of these monsters like? Oh, it is, it is much different. Uh, you're typically, the way I train people is 90% of your flight is done in pre-flight. Mm -hmm. So getting your system you know, to the best perfection that you can get it. And then you're sitting behind a computer screen. You're planning a mission using GPS. You're giving that coordinates into the drone, and the drone then executes that mission. So once you tell the drone, I want you to go 10,000 feet in the air, and I want you to go out 50 miles and then survey this area, and then come back to me. But the also great thing is you're monitoring the drone's real-time behavior. So you're seeing everything that's happened to that drone when it's happening and you can make emergency procedures if you have something encroaching in your airspace you can tell a drone i want you to drop 400 feet hmm. i want you to go and circle around this spot over here and loiter mm -hmm. while we wait for this you know damage or whatever's in the airspace to clear hmm. so it's a lot of it's in you know software we're, we're programming these things what's next for aerial insights uh, what are you guys looking forward to aerial insights is uh, training uh, industrial crews uh, different utilities, how to fly and integrate drones into their workforce. Uh, there's a lot of interest behind drones and people are mainly struggling and just how do I integrate into the airspace? How does this get into my, my big industry? Mm -hmm. And so we're helping large corporations start drone programs. So it's a lot of training, it's a lot of corporate uh, regulation, governance, and how do we interact with your existing infrastructure? And then the other half of everything we do is all geospatial. So how do I get this data from the drone onto a mapping software? How do I then take that data that's on the map and then distribute it to the people on the ground? So that's where we come in and we say, use us. We have the software that can take the data from your drone mm -hmm. and push that out to all of your workers. We've heard so much about the regulation and the debate and what do I have to do you know, when I buy a drone and that sort of thing. Is there a difference between the drone I might get off Amazon or from Best Buy and one of these in terms of registration and flight plans and that sort of thing? It actually falls into the exact same category as the same drones in Best Buy. So our 15-foot wingspan, four-hour flight time drones are the same as a small drone you buy at Best Buy. Uh, I, but we take much better care. We have many more procedures that we follow that goes way well above and beyond what the FAA requires. I understand you're going to be doing a demo. Unfortunately, it's the radio show, so the demo won't <laughs> prove very well. But trust us, people, these things look amazing. Thank you. Yeah, tell us about the conference in St. Louis. Where are you guys from, and how did you make it here for this? Uh, so we started out in Columbia, Missouri, at the University of Missouri. Uh, basically a bunch of physics grad students got together and said, hey, we have immense knowledge on remote sensing and developing sensors and all the algorithms that go into flying, and how do we commercialize this? So that started about three years ago at the University of Missouri while well, we were students there, 
and now we are in St. Louis. We moved to the uh, CET building at the uh, CIC, and we've been uh, operating here since 2015 and flying drones every day. We got crews out seven days a week now and expanding. We've been flying down in Mexico and China, so we, we fly all over the place. You know, everybody's going crazy over Amazon right now. Oh, yeah. And the potential, you know, 50,000 jobs, people saying, could they hire 50,000 people, you know, in, in X city or Y city? Is, uh, is Mizzou, do you think, a good pipeline of talent that not just Amazon, but any company who's thinking about hiring in St. Louis? Is Mizzou a good pipeline to look to for people? Well, I'd say you got about 50,000 people every year going there, and they're all getting very sophisticated degrees, and their knowledge pool and the training you get from that university is top-notch. And we pulled, you know, quite a many, quite many people from the university there, and they're helping us with uh, geospatial software as well as drone operations. Great. Well, any other information about Aerial Insights? Should people go to a website for more information? Yes, you can go and visit us at aerialai.com. That's A-E-R-I-A-L-A-I.com. All right, sounds good. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. <laughs> Let's continue the conversation about drones here outside of the GOU conference at 4240. Mark Bookout from Missouri S&T. Just talked to a Mizzou grad, now talking to Missouri S&T in Rolla. Thank you for joining us. I'm glad to be here. So tell us about what you're going to be doing here at the GOU conference. We're going to be flying a uh, demonstration flight uh, with a multi-rotor or two uh, for the folks that are at this conference in this uh, space that we're, we're at. And we are going to demonstrate some of our capabilities to those folks. And talk about Missouri S&T, and you know, people are going crazy over this Amazon news, cities across the country, wondering, you know, is there enough tech talent in X city or Y city? And so Missouri S&T... Is that a pipeline of talent that St. Louis companies should look for? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we produce uh, a tremendous number of qualified engineers and uh, other scientists. Uh, there's uh, several degree programs that are outside of uh, science and engineering there also. Uh, our folks, our students, uh, they command some of the highest salaries in the Midwest because they are so well-trained and, and talented. And what are some of the, the majors or what are some of the career paths potentially, the people who are interested in geospatial or just interested in tech in general? What we've observed, in my group we hire students to work on all kinds of diverse systems, and those students are in different career programs. They might be in mining, they might be in computer science, they might be in an engineering program of some sort, uh, they might be in liberal arts. But regardless of that, they all have a passion for the technologies they're working on. They bring that passion to us. We give them hands-on practical experience inside of our programs. That coupled with their education, when they leave, they're capable of producing products. I think that's a key difference that S&T brings to the table with their graduates. Our folks are ready to go out of the box to build stuff and make a difference. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you. And we'll be back with more after this. In this week's edition of Charlie Brennan's Incredible St. Louis, learn more about a pension for people who are poor and legally blind, a daily meal plan to help you finally get those six-pack abs, and some Halloween tales that include details about one local cemetery who is combining ghosts and beer. Read all about it at KMOX.com slash Brennan. All right, welcome back. Nothing Impossible. Michael Calhoun. Travis Sheridan. And we are talking about Bayer and Monsanto right now. The big ag innovation showcase was in St. Louis. We just talked about GOU in Cortex, uh, a big, huge conference for the geospatial industry, and now uh, the same week in the same region, St. Louis, the big ag innovation, a national showcase there. 
And you know what's interesting? Neither one of those were held at the convention center. Like these, these conferences are being held throughout the region. The Ag Innovation Showcase was over in the Danforth Center. Uh, the GO, uh, GOU was in the Cortex Innovation District. It's interesting to see these smaller, not 5,000-person conferences, but the ones where you could really meet with other people, maybe strike up some business deals. They're happening in these small pockets of town. Yeah, so Travis and I, again, are at the GOU Conference, but let's jump over to Creve Core. Hey, by the way, this just shows the whole region's benefiting, benefiting from innovation as well. Let's go to Creve Core, the Danforth Plant Science Center, and listen to my conversation with Adrian Percy, who's the head of R&D, Research and Development, at Bayer Crop Science. So what brings you to St. Louis, and what part of the Bayer story are you wanting to tell in St. Louis? What did you, what did you say in your keynote speech? Yeah, so uh, I'm here for the, um, the Ag Showcase that is uh, actually its ninth year. It's a great event. Uh, bringing together lots of entrepreneurs, uh, young startup companies, but also some corporate uh, folks and, and uh, venture capitalists to look at some of the new exciting developments in agricultural technology. And um, for, for Bayer, why I'm here is to talk about collaboration because uh, we have enormous challenges in front of us in terms of feeding a very hungry population that's getting bigger all the time and to do that in a sustainable way and in order to be able to do that we need to support farmers with new technology hence uh, we want to collaborate with some of the young companies that uh, are developing new ideas with really exciting technology and, and science. I was just going to ask the um, the role that these small startups have and the technology that they come up with, the new approaches that they have. What is it uh, these days with these small startup companies that even the big multinational corporations are taking notice of the you know the two man teams in a startup incubator somewhere? Uh, absolutely, it's a really exciting time in science and technology. There are so many advances in so many different areas, and I think that uh, you know a lot of these ideas are coming out of universities or uh, academic research. Uh, institutions and uh, big companies like Bayer are, are really open to, to looking to collaborate with these these types of folks. And what kind of innovations, what kind of new technological advances are helping farmers in the field? What are we seeing? Well, there's so many right now. So one of the things that's clearly uh, very exciting and also a big theme for this uh, conference is digital farming, so precision agriculture. How can farmers use digital tools to make their operations more efficient, uh, to use, for instance, inputs in a very efficient manner? That's one area. Second area that there was a lot of discussion around is soil health. How can we make sure our soils are healthy and able to support crop production in the most effective manner? And then there is a lot of uh, inf- interest in new breeding technologies so how can we use some of the great innovations that's coming out of the pharma industry things like gene editing to really improve crop crop breeding technologies especially when you talk about the climate or the soil or that sort of thing it seems like big data across the board but even in agriculture big data is kind of the revolution we're dealing with right now all these numbers all these different ways of of measuring things we've never been able to measure before and all the different ways to crunch those numbers yeah and this is this is a real feature of of how agriculture is really coming into the 21st century Uh, it's an old industry that's always kept up with innovation and this is just one more kind of Uh, level of that. I mean, we're seeing a revolution, if you like, in agriculture from this perspective, just like we've seen with other industries, with, you know, companies like Uber or or Netflix or Facebook, but really digitalization has also come to agriculture in a big way. Now, when it comes to St. Louis, what's your impression of the ecosystem 
that's been built here, whether it's the startups or the large companies or the research that's happening at the universities or the incubator space that they have here, especially because you've got this this worldwide perspective. Where does St. Louis, St. Louis, a, a plant science hub? It's definitely a player. Um, and, and clearly, you see the Danforth Center here. Also, there's also incubator companies, you know, associated with that. I mean, here we had 300 people at this conference. It was completely sold out. I understand there was a lot of people that weren't able to make it because of it being sold out. So it just shows the interest in St. Louis and the very vibrant ecosystem that's developed here. What makes a vibrant ecosystem? I think it's a it's a, a combination of things. I think first of all, you know, it's it's um, an, a good academic base. So you've got great universities here. You've got you know plant. Uh, science institutes like the Danforth Center. It's um, people with capital willing to invest in those new ideas. Some of them are risky. Uh, some of them won't pan out, but some of them also will be very, very, very interesting. And then, of course, you have the corporate component as well, companies interested in, in working with those players. So it's a whole kind of ecosystem of different things that have to come together to make that successful set up like we seem to have here in St. Louis. And I'm sure when a lot of St. Louisans saw that a Bayer executive was going to be on the speaking list for this conference, mine went to the merger with Monsanto. Anything that you can say about that? Any kind of a, did you have any remarks in your keynote speech? Any kind of a preview of what that might look like? No, I mean, we, we are moving ahead and, uh, you know, the things is, is progressing. Of course, right now we're in the uh, situation that we're going through the regulatory approvals. You know, we feel pretty confident that the deal will be closed by the end of the year. That's not entirely in our um, under our control because obviously the regulatory authorities are working independently to to finalise that. Um, but of course, there is always interest, and uh, you know, we've we we've always worked here in St. Louis. We have ties to the Danforth Center, so it's not unusual for us to be here. But of course, there's some additional interest given the potential merger that, that will be happening. What should people know about Bayer? Maybe an introduction for the people of St. Louis to Bayer, the company, especially given the fact that in years past, some other corporate mergers haven't necessarily played out the best way for St. Louis in terms of workforce and investment and that type of thing. But Bayer has been very optimistic uh, about St. Louis, it seems like. We're very excited about being being here in the future. Um, we're an older company. We're over 150 years old. But we have an extremely solid presence here in the United States. And we've been here for, for many, many years. We have a, um, a variety of businesses. We're not just an ag player. Obviously, people will know us from the consumer brands that we have. Alka-Seltzer, Coppertone, uh, Aleve, a number of other brands that will be familiar to people. Uh, we also have a pharmaceutical business and an animal health business. So we are a really a life science company. Um, we are a global player. We like to think of ourselves that way as very international in our thinking. And so, yes, St. Louis will be a great location for us in the future. And what kind of a role does a big company play in an ecosystem with you know, startups and that sort of thing, research that's happening. What, what is Bayer's role in all of this that's going on? I think we play a number of roles. So um, we need to be a good collaborator. I mean, we need to let these folks also, you know, advance their, their ideas. We can do that through different forms of support. We can provide facilities. We can provide input advice. We can provide sometimes some capital in order to help them get them, them move forward. Um, but also we can be an outlet for them eventually with their ideas onto the marketplace. So I think there's a variety of roles that we can play. 
and in terms of the workforce in St. Louis, just generally in terms of the tech pool and that sort of thing, we hear that there are more plant scientists in St. Louis than anywhere else, for instance. What do you see as the workforce? Is the workforce base in St. Louis good for a company like Bayer? Do you think you will have any trouble finding the talented employees that you're going to want to hire here? I mean, clearly, we just have to look at Monsanto. have been very, very successful in actually attracting um, you know, folks not just from the St. Louis area or from the Midwest, but across the world to St. Louis. And so in the future, after the merger, you know, we will carry on that work with them to make sure that we get the best minds here to, to do the kind of work that's so important to bring new agricultural innovation to, the, to, to, to growers here in the United States, but also the airport and flights here how was it for you getting here did you have to connect through anywhere interesting to get to st louis well to be very honest we flew into chicago and actually drove down so we visited some growers in illinois on the way through which is what we always like to do when we're uh, in a in an area to try to connect with some of our customers um but yes uh, a direct flight to germany in the future would be a, a great advantage moving between uh, our headquarters in germany and the new um north american headquarters that will be here in st louis yeah that's been i don't know if you know that's been a big topic lately has been reinstating a, a non-stop flight to mainland europe which st louis hasn't had for a few years is that something bayer might get involved with to make it more convenient for you well yeah we always would, would try to advocate for that i mean it makes a lot of sense for a city like st louis not just for bayer not just for monsanto but for others to have that that access directly to europe uh, my name is tom larita i'm the ceo of new leaf symbiotics all right so tell me about the company and tell me the, about the journey starting at an ag showcase a few years ago right yeah, we were at an ag showcase here in St. Louis about five years ago. We actually chose to locate our company in St. Louis at the Danforth Center, and we're very happy we did. came from the East Coast. Uh, we were at ag showcase. We presented as one of the young startups, and in the uh, intervening years, we've raised a total of three fundraising rounds, $54 million, uh, including a, a recent third round close. And um, the Danforth ecosystem and Ag Showcase have been instrumental in our success. Tell me about the company and how do you, how do you describe to a layman in the agriculture world what it is that you do? So we're an agricultural biologicals company. We are doing fundamental discovery, development, and commercialization of beneficial plant bacteria. These are bacteria that are on all plants at all times. They're, everybody eats them every time they eat salad, but we are discovering the fundamental relationship and symbiosis between the bacteria and plants or crops, and we are developing products made from these beneficial plant bacteria. What could they do? What's the benefit? What are some products that you can, I mean, naturally come up with like this? We're introducing our first products this year. They're going to go into soybean and peanut, and these are products that are put on the seed or in the furrow together with the uh, at planting time, and they uh, impart uh, plant health and increase the ability of the plant to take up nutrition. Kelly Sturick. So Bug Eater Foods, what is that? Yeah, so Bug Eater Foods does insect-based food products for human consumption. So essentially we make anything that... Um, Essentially, we make insects into food. So protein shakes, rice, pasta, noodle products. We even got some few weird ideas for the future. Where did you get the idea for crickets, or where does where did the need come from? Yeah, so I think the, the main reason we really got into it is that insects are a very sustainable protein source. Use a lot less water, food, and land. And they could be highly automated and grown. So 
this, it just makes sense. A lot less resources, a lot more nutrition. Let's make it into food products. So how does the cricket get from a cricket to the powder that I might use to make a protein shake? Yeah, so like for the protein shake that we have out in the market today, um, it's a very soluble powder that's mainly protein, a lot of other micronutrients that we just add into a kind of an ingredient mix of, you know, chocolate flavors and other nutrients. How many different, you've got crickets, yeah. mealworms. Yeah, so, you know, we don't just stick with crickets. Um, we think mealworms and other insects uh, give off different flavor profiles and nutrition profiles, so we kind of want to experiment and do more with that. Uh, the culinary experts really love the mealworm macaroni because it has more flavor. When you say flavor, what is the flavor of a mealworm macaroni? Yeah, so like crickets, for example, are like a slightly nutty flavor, um, but the mealworm has a little bit of a meaty taste um, that we've kind of noticed. All right, so we've covered it all. We've covered uh, spatial technology and uh, agriculture. So we've hit the gamut. That's all stuff that's relevant in St. Louis. All stuff that St. Louis excels in, too. So thank you for joining us for our weekly innovation conversation. Find the podcast, kmox.com slash audio, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us from outside the At 4240 building in Cortex. Keep innovating. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.